Lord, I pray for Pastor Rip today as he gives us this message. I pray, God, you will just inspire him. Lord, just anoint him with the power of the Holy Spirit to let him teach us and let him encourage us and share with us, Father, what you have on his heart today. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Pastor Rip. Yeah, I was just going back in my mind. I, I love I love memories. And the Lord has blessed me with a lot of them. And uh, just thinking today, this cold, white January coming into the presence of God, that it reminded me of the first time that my wife and I went into a house of God. This is back in 1981, a long time ago, 43 years ago. And we were in our partying days. I mean, we lived... Fast and we lived carefree. And we never talked about the Lord. I mean, would you? I mean, I was under conviction because I knew what it was. I saw Jesus. I saw him as a four-year-old. Kind of sticks with you. And you know what you got to do, but you don't. You run from it. And so I thought, you know, be good to get together with a childhood uh, sweetheart. And we did. And, and, Got married and here we were after three years. Um, I'm still running from God and I found out so was she. And we just not talking about the Lord or much about our past. I mean, when you're 19, you don't have much in your past. And we, we went to church. We were invited by some friends. Hey, let's go down to that Assembly of God church across from Bill and Carol's in Batoski. And, uh, Walked into that place and I was getting ready for religion. Went into that place and the Lord overwhelmed me with his presence. And I felt a warmth that had nothing to do with the furnace. And I remarked such to the friends that brought us there. I mean, we were all living in the same boat, practically, spiritually, soul-wise. And uh, I told him, I said, I don't know about you all, but that place was really warm in there. It wasn't hot. It's just comfortable, warm. It was spiritually, it was a cuddly kind of warm. It was the Holy Spirit. I'd never experienced the Holy Spirit before. And so a couple months after that, we gave our hearts to the Lord. And uh, never had a clue from 1981 until now the adventure God was going to take us on. The places that we would go. The brothers and sisters we would find are out there. Valuable things, fun things, painful things. The Lord called me into ministry really quickly. I mean, he let me know right from the get-go. And so did the pastor. He was the one that recognized it. I thought everybody got saved like I did. And so my wife let me know that's not true. <laughs> she says, Rip, not everybody gets saved like you. Do. I, uh, okay. <laughs> And she she just said it very matter-of-factly, and it's just like, oh, I thought everybody 
experienced this. And it's not that I was any higher than anybody. It was just that I was going to turn out to be the weird one in the room. You put me in a room with Presbyterians, Baptists, Episcopals, and country community church people, I'm going to make people feel uncomfortable. I didn't know that. I'm just speaking out of the well that God poured into me. I had no idea what that calling was. I had no idea for many years. And all the places that we've been, the churches that we, you know, we spent 10 years in youth ministry under three different pastors, two pastors showing us what to do, and one pastor for a year and a half of things not to do. And I wondered why the Lord sent us there. I, you know, my wife could have come away from that. She could have come away from it if, if I didn't stay focused on, on what was in front of me. Uh, we both could have come away from that and, and felt like, God, why are we here? Why did you take us out of this nice place, put us in this crazy place, and Lord, get beat up, get pushed out? And the Lord was pretty much saying, get used to it. Because it was going to happen more and more. I told the Lord, I said, you know, I, me telling the Lord, you know, right? I don't want to, I don't want a pastor. Youth pastoring's fun and I can just follow somebody, take orders from my, my pastor and, and pastor's wife and the deacons and, and I'm cool with that. And I didn't want to leave this place where the Lord had put us and we'd already moved. We, we've moved 36 times. That was the last count. That's why we really like where we're at right now. It's not better than any other place, but it's where God put us, so it makes it that. But anyways, through all of that, looking at life, you can categorize different things. Not everything is categorized nice and neat in my life, and you'll find out my preaching isn't such either. You probably know that. I am a sanctified preacher who is also ADD. And you know what? I like it. I do. It helps me enjoy life. It keeps me busy. I notice things that you don't notice. You might notice things that I don't notice, but I notice a lot of things. I'm observant. And some things I just kick back and I'm not observant about. My wife looks at, you didn't notice that I did the furniture around? You didn't, I, I rearranged the furniture while you were out. I said, I used to stub my toes and then I started paying attention. You ever do that? The more you stub your toes in life, the more you start paying attention. And sometimes you pay attention because you don't like stubbing your toes in life. Oh, you think you can prevent that by paying attention. If you've learned how, can you give me lessons? You see, I want to speak to you about something that we've all experienced. And through the Word of God, help you guide, help guide through them if you've, if you've got some sorting out to do. And that's where I come into the picture this morning. I want to talk to you about life's injustices. Injustice. You know those things you always point a blame at? Injustice. 
the things that you struggle forgiving and sorting out, and, and if you thought about it enough, you'd get mad at? Injustice. Larry, could you put the scripture up there, please? I want to speak to you about how to handle that. And this comes this morning out of Romans 12, verses 19 through 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, are you ready for contrary? <laughs> this is this is some of where we're going this morning. This, this is how you handle injustice. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Put a hot pie on their doorstep. You don't have to wait till they're hungry. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Well, we've got water all over the place. So, give him something they're thirsty for. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that your servant would speak it clearly as it comes from heaven. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bless everyone in here, instruct everyone in here, and Lord, maybe remind some, as it were. And Lord, help us, help us share what we hear today with others. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Is there anyone in here who has never said that? How far back you want to go? We learn a sense of fairness, what is fair and not fair, because of what he's doing over there, or she's doing over there. And, and we start blaming, we start comparing. You, you know, we learn that in the sandbox, before kindergarten even. <laughs> I remember my mom and dad coming into the room. I was four or five years old. The first time I've ever, uh, that I can remember experiencing this at four years old. And mom coming in the room and she going, who did this? And my sister always pointed a finger at me. He did. And then I learned how to say it's not fair. You know, we learn how to couch that in different terms. We learn how to relive that. We learn how to, you know, we learn revenge. Why do you think Jesus said that? Why do you think the things in the Bible are in the Bible? It's because we all struggle with them. We'll all come face to face with them. And we need to live on kingdom terms and not worldly terms. We try to press into the kingdom of God on Sunday and before we get home or even when we get home or maybe by Wednesday, you're back down to earthly living again and doing what the world expects of you and not God. It's not fair. You want to learn how to get through this? Do you have some things that are unresolved? I'm thinking you probably do. I do. I can look back at a lot of things that just weren't fair. Life is not fair. 
And that's how we live. (laughs) I think Jesus would tell you, just right off the cuff, He'd tell you, life is difficult. It is. You know, you don't have to go very far in Scripture and you find out just how difficult life is. He said, birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes in the ground, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Complaint? No. Matter of fact, hmm. He, what he was doing was telling somebody, look, don't you follow me because life is difficult. Do you get that? You know what scripture I'm talking about? I will follow you anywhere you go. And that's what Jesus said, really. Have you interviewed my twelve yet? <laughs> uh huh. It's difficult. You know, we learned to factor that in early on. And before I go any further, I'm just, I get reminded by the Lord of things that injustice, there are some that never get over it. There are many, excuse me, many. And some of them are believers and they don't get over it. Something happens, they stop serving the Lord. Why? Because he's just not doing what he ought to do. And so you think thoughts of revenge. You ever done that? Sure you have. Let me help you. I should have said that. I should have done that. Should have, would have, could have. Those are thoughts of revenge. Those are displeasing to God. If you want to take the Holy Spirit and push Him away a little bit, those are the thoughts you want to think because all of a sudden you're living on the earthly plane, on the earthly realm. And who's the, who's the prince and power of this world? Satan. All of a sudden he starts rubbing his hands and going, keep thinking those thoughts, I'm going to give you some more. There was a, a young lady that I was, well, let me back up another step. A, a mom in our church called me. This was down in Waterford. And, uh, she called me and she says, Pastor Rip, this is, this is Angie. Um, you got a few minutes? I need some help. She says, my daughter needs some help. My daughter lives out in Seattle right now. So, yeah. Would you please pray for her? She was struggling with the injustice of having an uncle abuse her sexually and continually. An uncle. And she was not only, they were a Catholic family going to Catholic church, she began to be mad at God. She began to be mad at her dad and she wanted to kill the uncle. Best thing she could do was to move over on the other side of the country. She tried to commit suicide unsuccessfully, thank God, 36 times. That's what she said. I said, you know, you're here for a reason. Because I got the phone number from the mom, and I called her, and I said, is this, you know, and your mom wants me to call you, and you're going through a hard time right now. And I said, can I help you? 
I said, I can't fix your problem, but I think I can point you in the right direction here tonight. And so I got to talking with her, and, and she says, I cannot forgive him. I will not forgive him. I said, okay. How's your life been going since that decision? You want to try something new? It's not right, she says. I didn't say it was right. It's not fair. I know it's not fair. It's not fair that dad might have known about it. And I said, here's what, here's, here's something. Let me break this down for you. Make it easy. Are you willing to forgive? Because it sounds like she wanted to take the whole thing on her shoulders. I said, can you do this? Can you? It's such a huge thing. It altered her whole life. I said, can you at least meet Jesus halfway in this? Just meet him halfway. Now, you know what Scripture declares in James chapter 4? Draw near unto God, he will draw near unto you. Who takes the first step? Draw near to him, he'd draw near to you. So I told her, I said, would you at least be willing, and I want to pray for you, will you be willing to forgive him? The biggest injustice of the whole universe in her life. And I was just in awe of where the Lord put me at that time. It's like, God, this is huge. I said, can you just make it halfway? Just halfway. Just pray in agreement with me. Pray and ask God to help you make it the rest of the way. But you're willing to forgive. Go halfway in forgiving that uncle and your dad. And in her tears, she said, okay. I said, now we're talking. Just be willing. Just be willing. It's amazing what the Lord can do with a little bit of willing. Oh, my goodness. Ha. Huh. And so, you know, hung up the phone and, you know, it's, couple weeks goes by and the mom did not attend our church a whole lot, but she would, you know, she would now and then. And she comes up to me and she says, I've got to tell you how much I appreciate that phone call you made to my daughter. I said, how's she doing? She says, she's back home living with us. I said, is this good? Being Catholic, mind you. I know you might not be Catholic. I'm not Catholic. She's going into the ministry. She's going to become a nun. She wants to dedicate her whole life to the Lord. I said, oh my goodness. Her coming home means that she had to face charges here in Michigan. (laughs) Have any of you ever been to Oakland County Jail? OCJ? You think it's a big thing going into prison? (laughs) You cannot believe how many 
automatic locking doors lock behind you as you're going deeper and deeper until you get onto the cell floor, the cell block. I went and visited her there. Met her face to face. And I said, this is just awesome. How are you doing? She says, I'm reading my Bible. She took an injustice. What is step one? Forgive the offending parties. Why did Jesus tell Peter 70 times 7? Because at any time, any place, any day, you will be struck with a memory to not forgive them. And the Lord says, just forgive them again. Keep forgiving until it goes away. And gradually, I mean, you have to stop yourself and say, God, forgive me. That came out of nowhere. Lord, you dug that up, I'm sure, and placed it in front of me. Lord, I want to be complete in my forgiveness toward them. To help that, because you you may not be around those people a lot, you know, we can't do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. But what you can do is just keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. You must. You must. You like being saved. Release those people. Release them out of your own jail. Let them go. Because if you don't, he won't you. You go right back into the jail again. I know so many people who have been struck with injustices that haven't forgiven. They won't make it. Give them a little while, you won't even see them in church anymore. And all the while, they may be pointing a finger blaming you. Injustice. It's really funny, you know, the Lord sent us to, I told you about the church that we learned what not to do. Um, we learned what not to do in this church. It didn't take long, a, a year and a half. And we were youth pastors, our last youth pastorate. And the Lord was going to give me a place there that I knew that this is God. My wife didn't like it. I said, just be patient. We're not going to be here the rest of our lives but let's stay here until the Lord releases us. And we did for a year and a half. And in that place, we could have walked away from there, pointing fingers. The first thing we noticed is that it was dysfunctional. That was kind of a new term to us back then. Dysfunctional church. Let me describe to you what was happening. The pastor of that church had grievous things going on behind the scenes that deacons knew about it. But they weren't deacons, they were board members. Because they were board members, they did board kind of things, they did business kind of things. And I went to one of them and I said, are you seeing what I see? And he says, yeah, we've known it for a while. So why haven't you done anything? Well, we tried. You know what the next step was? 
going to the pastor. And I went to the pastor. I said, is this true what I'm seeing? And all of a sudden, I learned what true dysfunction is in the midst of sin. Maybe you've experienced this. When you walk into a situation and you point a finger at the problem, you become the problem. You become it. The problem was not the problem. I was the problem. You know how far back in the Bible that goes? I can take you back to the days of Elijah when he said, it will not rain until I say it's going to rain. When he appeared before Ahab to say it was going to rain, Ahab saw him coming from afar and he says, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Who was he blaming? Who became the problem? Ahab, Jezebel, they were the problem. And when someone pointed out to them that, look, you're sinning before God, and it's God's judgment to you that it's not raining, all of a sudden he is pointing at Elijah and saying, you troubler of Israel, is that you? You will get caught up in some things where you will get hurt. For me, now I look back on it, and after after all the forgiveness, after grace has been applied, I can look back on it and say, Lord, thank you for that learning experience. Stubbing toes. And so, through all of these years, we've been dealt many injustices. Whose fault? It doesn't matter. You understand that? It does not matter. Some churches operate on a fault and blame situation. Okay, who's at fault? We're going to blame them and we're going to make them pay and then it's all done with. Yeah, there are whole churches that operate like that. Instead of accountability and responsibility, hey? Amen, brother. Thank you. I enjoy those kind. Those are healthy churches. Doesn't mean you're all perfect. No, it's just you know how to handle things correctly, biblically. And so, anyways, through it all, people, life is not easy. Injustices. How do we handle them? Well, you know it's going to happen. I can't even tell you that it's not going to that it's that it's done at this point of your life, and it's never going to happen again. It just happens. Why? Because sin happens. Why? Because there's a devil loose. You want to blame somebody, blame him. <laughs> and then, and then ask the Lord, help me, help me learn from this. In all righteousness, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna play with pain. Back in 1988, basketball, Detroit Pistons, Bad boys. You remember that time? Mm-hmm. It was during that first run at the championship that Isaiah Thomas, in the playoffs, important playoff game, Isaiah Thomas sprained his ankle. And, and, and all of Detroit came to a halt. Isaiah Thomas sprained his ankle. He's not going to be in tonight. He will not play this game. 
sportscaster was looking to get an interview with him and how he feels not being able to play. Do you know what he found? He found Isaiah Thomas, and I'll never forget the Lord said, Rip, pay attention, and I never forgot it, so here it is. He was taping his ankle to play. And the sportscaster looked at him and said, Are you going to play tonight? Isaiah Thomas looked at him like he was stupid. How could you ask such a dumb question? He said, These are the NBA playoffs. This is A-League basketball. You play with pain. Yes, you do. Something hurts. Life goes on. It doesn't quit. But did you forget your scripture? Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you forget how much Jesus suffered for you? For me? Life hurts. Yeah, I'm sorry, but there's some things we got to get over. I have a friend that I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to prepare him for death basically. Went to school with him and I prepared for death a long time ago. So that's not a morbid thing. If you look at it like that, you won't wait until you make peace with God on your deathbed. You know how often that happens? Not very often. People harden their heart the more they reject God, the more they live apart from Him. And so I help him. Look, give your life to Jesus. And how many people that we bump into that we haven't seen in a while, and they're still talking about things that happened a long time ago. Things that hurt. Yeah, that happened, and my ex did this, and my ex did that, and yeah, I lost everything in that one, and that business folded up, and, and you can just tell they're still full of heart. Are they believers? I don't think so. If I hear someone who says they're a Christian and speaking like that, I feel like I've got to lead them to Jesus the first time. And so what do we do? What do we do? Step one, forgive. Forgive. And then there are some things here that we are not to do And one of the things that we aren't to do, Larry, if you'll get with me, on Proverbs 24, 17, 18. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. Or the Lord will see your attitude and disapprove of your attitude and turn his wrath away from your own enemy because of your attitude. People, that's A-League Christianity right there. 
When people have dealt you, a certain person, a certain people have dealt something to you that hurts beyond anything and you've got to move because of it, you've got to get another job because of it, you've got to make new friends because of it, go right on down the line. When things start happening, the last thing the Lord wants you to do is say, I told you so, because He will stop that. And it's not because... You know, you look, if you want me to get back at him, you better stop. No, the Lord is like this. If you, the, the one thing we steal from God more than anything is revenge. We steal that from him. He wants to exact righteousness in the situation. He wants to bring about right things. And when we have a bad attitude, all of a sudden he'll stop. We could have had that fulfilled in our lives, except we had the wrong attitude. This is one, this was an early verse in my life with the Lord. I mean, I'm going back to 1981, 1982 is when he says, Rip, this is really important for you to learn this, that, that, because I know you, I've seen others, is what he's telling me. He says, your attitude has got to change. And it did. And it has for the glory of God. The kingdom will not move in my life until I get the right attitude about it, the right heart about it. Yeah, yeah, we should have done that. I told you so. (laughs) That's all the further it will go right there. That's all the righteousness God will apply in that whole thing was what you just said. That's it. You understand? You know what I'm talking about? Write it down. You want to put it on a national level? Come on. Have you thought about gossip? How wicked that is? Want to think about it on the national level? Did they really say that? Did they really do that? How about that little meme? Is that really true? A-League Christianity. Oh, God. And turn His wrath away from them. I pray that you never hope to see God's wrath on someone. In the book of Revelation, we have a picture of the prophets under the altar of God that have been martyred. Their blood has been shed. They were killed for wicked things, things that they did not do. They did not do them. All they did was speak the word of God and wickedness came upon them and killed them and took their lives. And they're crying out for justice. Cry out for justice. Don't pray for God to get back at them for you. Ever. Pray for them to be saved. Pray for grace. Pray for mercy to be applied. Blood of Jesus applied to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. God loves them. Yeah, I, as much as I want to look at all the wickedness going on, I can only say this, I was warned 
I was warned. Weren't you? Weren't you warned? You look at what's going on in Washington, you were warned. What did you think the end times living was going to be about? Do you think it's going to get better? (laughs) No. It's going to get worse. So we better learn at this point. You know, it's like when Jeremiah had his complaint towards the Lord, go to the book of Jeremiah or Google Jeremiah's complaint, and you'll see the Lord hearing his prophet complain. Complain about this. And Lord, every time I preach your word, this is what happens to me. And Lord, I try to do this, and this is what happens to me, those wicked people anyway. (laughs) You know what the Lord told him? If you can't run with mere men, how are you going to run with horses? Told Jeremiah that. Prophet of Israel. We read his book. It's not a good thing. We're living in a day of, that's it's full of injustice. Get a handle on it. <laughs> because more is coming. Oh, I know. Life is unfair. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 73, or look on the wall, Psalm 73, verses 1 through 9. And this is Asaph. Asaph was one of the priests that worshipped. The sons of Asaph, they worship 24-7 in, in the temple. And as they were make as a song of ascents, they will praise God, you know, and uh, they would go up singing and they'd go in singing and they'd stand by night in the house of the Lord, lifting up the name of God. These, these are the sons of Asaph. This is one of them right here. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Confession. I had nearly lost my foothold. But he didn't, did he? Just a little side note there. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Could that relate to today's life? Look at the last sentence, the last verse. This jumped right out at me. Do you want to know what a hypocrite looks like in the house of God? Man. 
Their mouths lay claim to heaven. They, they're, they're, heaven is mine. It's like me standing here saying, heaven is mine. I'm a believer. I serve God. I serve the Almighty. And I'm laying claim to me being a citizen of heaven. Comma. And their tongues take possession of the earth. What's wrong with this picture? Their tongues take possession of the earth. That means they could live up here, but they walk away from all of this, and they go down here onto the earth level, and they eat of it. Their tongues take possession of the earth. They don't go any higher. They never grow. Why? They aren't saved. They sound like they are. I thought everybody that went to church was saved. I got over that pretty quick back in the 1980s. Got over it real quick. I went to my pastor saying, am I... I went to my... Still my best friend who was deacon way back then. I said, Ken... Am I seeing things here? I learned that not everybody was saved who went to church. Do you think they are today? you think we've evolved? If anything, no. I can't take that for granted. Now, I'm not, you know, continually looking for these things in people that come through the door. (laughs) Honestly, I am not. But (laughs) invariably, something will happen and I'll go, what was that? And usually it's somebody cussing. I thought board members were perfect people until a whole bunch of us, uh, the, the deacons went for a backpacking trip and decided to ask this young, young youth leader, it was actually as a campus life kid in the church, you know, and, uh, a new convert and, and one of the guys, I really looked up to, tripped, hurt his ankle, and cussed up a blue streak. You know what that did to me? Sent me to prayer. I forgave him. It's like, Lord, I'm sorry. I had to hear that. And I'm sure his ankle's pretty sore. But why did he cuss like that? If you're laying claim to heaven, don't let your tongue lay claim to worldly things. Do you get that? Okay. What will injustice cause you to do? Lay claim to earthly things, earthly methods, and earthly things to do. This is why. When something happens to us that takes us by surprise and hurts us, we will have a tendency to do earthly things. But if we are enough with Jesus that we're still laying claim to heavenly things, grab a hold of heaven with both hands. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom moves ahead with violence And the violent lay a hold of it. Lay a hold of that glory train. 
and never let go. Now, usually when I speak a message like this, I speak beyond you. And meaning that you'll be able to take some things that you've heard and help others with it. I pray that's true. I pray that I've highlighted a few verses to things that are pertinent to what's going on in your world. And maybe someone will come to you and you can say, look, um, you don't have to say, oh, you know, Rip spoke this. No, just say it's in the Word to help them and know where they're at. It'll help you discern and it'll help you see some things. When you look around, you're going to see people casting things aside that were once important. I like Navy stories. The one thing that happens when a ship starts sinking is you start throwing stuff overboard to make it lighter. That's just common physics. Do I have any backpackers in here? Anybody ever go backpacking? No, oh, I'm all by myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm going back yeah, 30 years, Tom. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the service, yeah, okay. Little a little illustration. When you see people casting things out of their lives, we are told that without vision the people perish. A second description under that is without vision people cast off restraint. Without knowledge people cast off restraints. Things that are difficult. And so, being of the backpacking age back then, I would go backpacking. I'd tell my wife, I'll be okay, okay, just don't worry about me. I'll be alright. I'll be back in three days. And so I'd, I was a great three-day, two-night kind of guy. And, and she'd often pick me up at the end of the trail, you know, and sometimes I'd drive home. And, uh, Anyways, I learned this, that if a backpacker is lost, get off the trail. You're off the trail somewhere. You're not on the right trail. You've gotten off the trail. You know, trails have, you know, they they have little legs that go off here and little legs and spurs that go off here. And, and the worst thing to do is to go down one and find a tree right there, and that's all the further it goes. You're on a logging trail. It's not supposed to go anywhere. Find the right trail and get back on it. But sometimes you're so tired and you're so far away, no phones, okay? I'm going back to the days with no phones. Or your phone is so far, you're so far out there, you don't have reception. We still have those areas here. You know, this we've got some good rural areas around here, some really rugged rural areas. This is what you can learn about a backpacker. If you are looking for a backpacker that's lost, the one thing you will hope to see are extra clothes being thrown out of the backpack, jettisoning things that aren't needed, casting loose of things that are not necessary for the trip. The one thing you know when when you're when the one that you're after to save is in a really bad place is when you find extra things. Like pretty soon you find mess kit, 
extra food. And the next thing you find is the backpack itself, and not far away you will find the body. Hopefully still alive. You know what I've seen believers do over the last couple of years? Because of the injustice, because of the enemy dealing delusional lies to, people who once served him and were vibrant in churches and just, man, you think, man, they, they are on top of the world. And they were. Make sure the things that you get rid of, even in this part of life, make sure that the things that you cast aside will not be needed along the trip, along the way. You know what one of those things is? Church, gathering together. I don't care how you do it or how often you do it. Just do it. I can't say it doesn't matter where you go because it does. The devil has a hold of a lot of different churches. You can go by and hear stuff about same-sex marriages. You can hear stuff, yeah, all kinds of nonsense. Nonsense. Backsliding. The stuff you read about in the Bible that God doesn't like. So just make sure, make sure you're in a place where the Bible is preached. People love each other. That's, that's number two. That's, that's gotta be up there. <laughs> We'd beat each other up if it wasn't for love. I'm serious. And sometimes there have been fights out in parking lots. You know, I, I mean, I'm not, not around here. I'm, I'm just stuff I've read of. We need love. And we need to keep an eye out for each other. You see somebody slowing down and kicking something out, they're tired. Help them. Do something to make their life just a little bit easier that day to lighten the load. Amen? Injustices happen. And we're living in a lot of it right now. So we've got to handle it the way Jesus wants us to handle. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, you are awesome. You are awesome. I have to ask you, how you doing? How you doing with your life? How you doing with the Lord? In light of what you've sat and listened to, how you doing? Lord, I pray if there's someone who's listening to this right now, my prayer for them, oh God, is to wade through the injustice and push away from it and see heaven. Heaven makes it worthwhile. Following Jesus is not easy. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes the Lord puts His heart in yours and it aches for Him. That's okay. That's righteousness. Father, I pray for someone who's had something bad done to them. They've been wronged wrong. 
Lord, when you get wronged, wrong, it hurts. And Lord, you start thinking unredeemed things toward that person or that corporation or that whatever. Lord, I pray that you would, oh God, bring them aside and have a talk with them. Lord, that they would be still long enough to hear that. Turn their face toward you and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Father, everybody that we come up against, Lord, as we go out of here today, we face the mission field. And Lord, each one of us will see it this week somewhere, the injustice, the unfairness. And oh God, that we would have scriptural knowledge, basis, and words from the Lord to share with people to help them carry the load, to push away from it, and to lay a hold of heaven. Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord, for this grand day and moment. Lord, to enjoy each day this week until we come together again. Lord, we say we love you. We want to thank you for this day. In Jesus' name. Hey.